Good morning. Thank you, Will, for that prayer. <clears throat> Be very fitting for what I have prepared today. <clears throat> Thank you, everyone, for praying for my grandpa. I really appreciate that. May God bless each one here today. <clears throat> I trust that you have come to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. We will be outside of the Gospel of John this morning. <clears throat> While I was thinking about what to preach on today, I thought about the time of the year and just how we are nearing another end of the year and hopefully entering a new one, Lord willing. And as I was thinking about that, I realized how little I do think about that and just how the years fly by. We go about our days, weeks and months not really thinking about time that much. But I guess the end of the year will kind of bring that into perspective. So as a result, I want to spend this morning talking about time and to challenge us to think about how we spend it, to encourage us to spend it wisely, for we are not promised much of it. We are living in the last days. We have been living in the last days ever since the Lord went to glory. And he may return at any moment. So, But before we go to our text, let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to direct our minds. Father, we come before you again this morning and we ask that you would soften our hearts. Illumine our minds to understand your word, Lord. May we worship you in spirit and in truth this morning. For your word is truth. May we be deeply impacted by your precious word. May we find words where we find the words of eternal life. Today as we talk about time and life here on earth, help us to have the right mindset and attitude, Lord. And draw us closer to your beloved Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. So turn in your Bibles, if you will, to the book of James, chapter 4. James here in chapter 4, talking about those who would boast about boast and live as though tomorrow were guaranteed. It says this, verse 13, it says, Come now, you who say, tomorrow, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? 
for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. That's as far as I'll read. What an amazing passage this is. If you look back at verse 13 there, Come now, you who say, Tomorrow, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Notice how earthly-minded that sounds. But how much we could we relate to that so often? The goal here is to make a profit. Now there's nothing wrong with that, except what? There's something missing. The Lord. There is no thought given to the service of the Lord or, or even that they recognize that He exists. There's a level of arrogance and self-dependence happening here. Today or tomorrow, we will. Notice the certainty of this pers- in this person's mind. There seems to be no doubt here. And not only that, they seem to think their time does not have an expiration date. They will spend a year there, as if that's a given. The plan is made and it is certain. This is arrogance upon arrogance. The fact that they don't seem to acknowledge the fact that God is in control of time or life is obvious. But not only that, says they will trade and make a profit. This ignores the fact that God is in control of even our possessions and how much we earn or profit when we trade or if we even trade. This completely ignores our sovereign Lord. James then goes on and says, verse 14, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. And then he asks a question, What is your life? For you are, you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. The reality is that we do not know what tomorrow will bring. We are constantly racing against time and it will expire eventually. Our lives have expiration dates. We are time-bound humans. Our souls will not die, but our physical bodies will. We will die, and God knows the exact time. Keep a finger here in this passage and look at Hebrews 9, just for a second here. Hebrews, the ninth chapter. And here the writer of Hebrews 
by the Holy Spirit gives a revelation of God's sovereignty. Chapter 9, verse 27. Let's read it. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. He then goes on in verse 28 and draws a parallel between the death of Christ and our death and the fact that it happens once and then the life after death. And after his death and resurrection, Jesus went up to glory, but will return again a second time. And it says, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. All of this to just to make a point. If you look again at James 4, we are presently approaching our appointment with God and quickly. James here in our passage, he asks a question. What is your life? Really, what is our life? If you were to ask 10 different people, you might well get 10 different answers. Say if you ask a basketball player, he may say, ball is life. We might have all heard that on Instagram in the captions. If you ask a sledder, a snowmobiler, he may say, sled is life. But I hope if you ask a Christian, he would say Jesus is life. But the Apostle compares life here with the mist. You ever notice how if you go outside into the cold and breathe into the air, how a little mist appears. How it appears for just a moment and then disappears again, vanishes into the air. This is precisely the idea here. Our lives are really that short. We are born and just like that it can be over. Even if you live to be a hundred years, those hundred years are like milliseconds in comparison to eternity. So as the writer of Hebrews says, it is appointed for a man to die once and then comes judgment. In this little span of time, the length of a mist, we have the opportunity to bow the knee to Christ. And then is judgment. After our time here expires, there are no second chances. If you think of a little old man or a little old woman and often people say they're so sweet and they're just so good but are they really? They may may live well close to a hundred years 
and have seen countless displays of God's beauty and magnificence. They have woken up morning after morning and are still breathing and never think to thank their Creator and Sustainer of life. They get up and see breathtaking views, sunrises. They don't they don't acknowledge their Creator. How many opportunities and how many chances. But their time will finally expire, as will all of ours. This life, this man or this woman may have done truckloads of good deeds, if you want to call it that. But if they have not bowed their knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, They will face judgment and there will be no more chances. Back to James here and the prescription he gives in verse 15. He says, Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. If the Lord wills, This is a very rare phrase nowadays. You don't hear it much. We live in such a sanitized world with all the medical help and hand sanitizer and flu shots. If we get sick, we think, oh, I'll just go to the hospital and they'll help me there. Don't get me wrong, all of this, these things are amazing. But if we're not careful, we will end up with a mindset that is in opposition to God. And we might end up with an attitude of independence apart from Him. So James says, we ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and we will do this or that. This is the proper attitude that we ought to have. It is a recognition of God's sovereignty and also his complete control of our lives, both present and future, and control of time itself. Look at Proverbs 27 for a moment. And this proverb illustrates this point, I think, very well. Verse 1. And he starts with a command, do not boast about tomorrow, a warning. And it ends with a wise saying, for you do not know what a day may bring. We really live in the moment. We don't know what will happen in one day. This moment as we are here and we breathe, we are pretty certain about about the now, but the next moment is unsure. And we might live through the day and get to tomorrow and do what we planned, but this is not guaranteed. The Lord alone knows the hour of our appointment with Him. And when we make appointments at the doctor or whatever it may be, we plan to be there 
but our appointments with the Lord is much more certain. And the difference is we don't know ex- the exact time. He knows, and, a, and at that exact second, He will either call us home through death, or He will suddenly return. So if the Lord tarries, we will do such and such. And I think we ought to be intentional about this attitude. We ought to cultivate an attitude of total dependence on the Lord. And I want us to call, call on the Lord with the psalmist in Psalm 90 verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. This is living with eternity always at the forefront of our minds and recognizing the fact that our days are numbered and therefore to live in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, as the Bible says. This is the way in which the Lord intends for us to live day by day, moment by moment, to live as though this were our last and to focus our minds on the eternal. To live as though this were our last moment. I know we're jumping a little bit, but let's turn to Ephesians 5, just for a moment again. Starting in verse 15 and 16. as our main focus, but I'll just read a couple verses before that just to get a little context. This is about, this is after Paul told the Ephesian believers not to take part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, verse 11. Verse 12, for it is shameful even to speak of these things that they do in, per- in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, It becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Verse 15 then. He says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise. The unwise would be those He talked about earlier those walking in unfruitfulness, walking in shameful things. But to the contrary, he says, rather walk as wise. Paul encourages him to walk as though, as those who need who need not to be ashamed, because they walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord, and that is pleasing to Him. He says, walk as wise. And then verse 16, making the best of the time, the best use of the time, because the days are evil. This is a big one today. With all the distractions of life, it is often very hard to do this. To make the best of our time. We have so many distractions, gadgets and social media always knocking at our minds doors at all times. So it is inevitable that we waste a certain amount of time here 
And lately I've been reminded of the time we have and how we spend it. What if, some, what if someone who is close to you goes to the doctor's office and he or she is told the cold hard facts of an incurable disease? With all the world's advanced technology and medication, there are still diseases that they cannot cure. What if your loved one finds out he or she has cancer and it's too late to treat? It has spread too much and the best thing that that loved one can do is spend as much time with family as possible because they don't have long These are cold facts to face. You know it is a matter of time, it may be weeks, possibly months, but no more. Death is imminent. There is nothing you can do. I can only imagine the kind of feelings that person may experience. Feelings of fear, maybe regret, disappointment, shock. Thoughts about those they will leave behind. How are they going to go on? Having always done everything together, what will that person do now? It is often hardest for those that they leave behind especially those who are believers. We have confidence of where that person is going to go and you want to go there too. If you're not careful, you might even find yourself struggling with the temptation of jealousy or bitterness. But what if you find yourselves overwhelmed with the disappointment of lost time? What if I had laid this aside or laid that aside and spent more time with them? We would do ourselves a favor if we would listen to the call and the warning in Scripture to spend it wisely, to have a mindset and a recognition of the shortness of life here on earth. And with the psalmist to number our days and to make the best of our time here because the days are evil. This is a cruel world, but we ought to spend it in service and worship of the Lord. Furthermore, here, here is a motivation. If you turn to Mark 13, please, and we'll look at verses 34 sorry, 35 and 37. Here is the promise of Christ's return. And it is as sure as the promise of His first coming. For the same God who prophesied this event also prophesied His second coming. The God who prophesied of the Messiah 
also prophesied that he would come again as a glorified Christ. This prophecy is not yet fulfilled, but it will be, for God cannot lie. It could be today or a thousand years, as the Apostle Peter says, To the Lord a day is a thousand years, as a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. Our God is not constrained by the confines of time as we are. To us a thousand years is as a thousand years, but to Him it's like a day. If you look at Mark 13.35 and onward, it says, Therefore, anytime the Bible says therefore, ask the question, what is the therefore, therefore? Mark gives this exhortation after he records the words of Jesus in saying, No one knows the day or the hour that he will come back. Now, because you don't know the day or the hour, he says, stay awake. And if we back up a little more to verse 34, just for some extra context. Verse 34, it is like a man going on a journey. So Christ here is teaching about the second coming, and so he gives an illustration. He says, it is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. This is how Jesus commands us believers to stay on guard. And in Jesus' day, the doorkeeper was someone who would stand at the door at the outer gate of the house and he would be the first to welcome his master back when he comes home. This is exactly what Jesus wants us to do, to stay awake. Because you do not know when the master, a reference to Jesus, the master of the house will come back in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning. This is basically saying he can return any second, so be ready. Verse 36, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And then verse 37, Jesus extends the command he originally gave his teaching to the disciples. But he says, and what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. This is a command to all. This is a command to us here, a command to Grace Bible Fellowship. The master of the house will return, and he will return to us here as well, ready or not. So let us wait eagerly. lest he find his gatekeepers asleep. Let us wait for him eagerly, as Peter says. Sorry, as the writer of the Hebrews says. We read this before in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verse 28. 
says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, and not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. I always find it interesting how the writer here puts his descriptor in there. We are not to have a flippant or a casual attitude towards the second coming. He says, wait eagerly. It describes an attitude of expectancy. Of reverence and of faith. He will appear a second time. And we are to believe his promises. If you went out into this town this morning and asked maybe 10 people or asked most people, I guess, do you believe that Jesus is coming back? I think 95% would say yes and go about their day. For most people would probably not be very much impacted by that. Why is that? It's not like they don't believe that he is coming back, but they would go about their day not giving it more than a second thought. I think it is because we don't wait eagerly anymore. We have become dull. Let's face it, how often in one day do we think about the fact that Jesus could return at this very second? Not very often, I don't think. And so he says, wait eagerly. And this is the command to each and every one here. Grace Bible Fellowship, the Crete and beyond. And he will appear a second time to those waiting for him eagerly. Not those going, meh. It's not really important. He won't come today. But to those who say, Yes, Lord, come quickly. As John says in Revelation, to those he will come a second time. Think about the impact that attitude would have on our lives. Think we would have our priorities a little more in line. So I want to leave you with a challenge this morning. This is for each and every one here, including myself and especially myself. Believe that promise. Really believe that promise of His return. What does true faith always result in? Action. If you really believe this, promise deep down in our hearts we will we will have a certain attitude towards him and towards it it will result in conviction and anticipation and eagerness so let's close in prayer lord let us think deeply 
as we are so often consumed with the busyness of life, with all the distractions. We have so much to think about that we only sort of skim over the top and never really think deeply about these things. Help us, Lord, to spend our time wisely, to understand your word, and then to apply it to our lives, to believe your promises, and to be deeply impacted by them. May this really shape our our hearts and our lives from how we view the present as well as the future and how we treat each other to how we spend our time. And Lord, I just want to pray your word back to you in the words of John and Revelation. He who testifies of these things says, Surely I come. I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.